Blog Talk Radio. WIJSF.com. Women in Jazz South Florida Inc. is a nonprofit educational organization that promotes women musicians globally through events, concerts, performances, clinics, lectures, workshops, articles, interviews, newsletters, courses, contacts, research, history, archives, websites, film, audio and video recordings, and recognition. Visit us at WIJSF.com. You're listening to blogtalkradio.com slash musicwoman with your host, Diva JC. In mud waters and power, lotus blooms to a flower. Through the toil of ages, history's turned back the pages. Out of chains we now stand, free to roam every land. Now each nation shall see worldwide peace through all centuries. With the hope we possess, giving prejudice rest and love to prevail throughout eternity. Now we say this is the way to spread love forever. And for racism to die in our hearts and our
definitively one of the masters of jazz lyrics. This is Dr. David J.C., and I'm here in beautiful South Florida with my guest, whom I met many years ago in Philadelphia, T.C. the Third. So we're going to bring him in. Take a few seconds. Hey, T.C. Hey, Joan. Bright moments. How you doing? Bright moments to you. Welcome to Music Woman Radio. Oh, it's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me today. Well, we're so happy that you see the value of what we do in this organization. And, you know, we're going to promote you just as much as we promote our women composers. You just wrote that lyric to the Star Spangled Banner, which I think is superb. And then the music, the music. You know, when I lived in Philadelphia from 1976 to 1982, the cats would always say the music. They didn't call it jazz. They called it the music. And you are bringing all of that back to me. Now, I want to ask you a question. How did you come to music as a child? (laughs) Well, (laughs) my parents uh, were jazz musicians known to the world as Trudy Pitts and Mr. C uh, out of Philadelphia where I was raised at, but, uh, they traveled all over the world. When I was a little boy, uh, they did a lot of traveling and I was with them a lot when I was my first, um, well, I can't remember. I know I went, we went to Bermuda when I was one and I remember that plane ride because back in them days, uh, they had, propellers on the wings and lights on the wings and that was amazing to me as a big you know one years old i'm looking out the window oh mommy mommy look at the lights <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so uh you know i don't know the music was just in my house my i was born into it you know my mother was a or for her work in those days she was one of the jazz female organist on the scene. She and my dad had a wet Trudy Pitts and Mr. C or Bill Carney. Uh, and uh, I was just around the music. Uh, yeah, but a lot of kids are around the music and their parents. What I remember you from 17 singing, 17 years old. So, you know, did your sister sing? Sister is uh, 11 years younger than me. So, you know, when 17, she was a little girl. That wasn't an influence. No, Uh, I'm just saying, does she sing? Does does her name is, what is your, your sister's name is what? 
Anisha. Anisha Theodora. Dora. And uh, she sings, but not for a living. That's not the direction she went into. She was went into more the production end of music. Okay. All right. Now, got- what about um, schooling? Did you study music theory? Did you study with anyone? Tell us about your music education. Okay. Well, my first instrument was the drums. Uh, little boy, I wanted to be just like dad, and uh, I would be around. I would be jumping on the drum set whenever he wasn't on the drum set, which was in the basement. One day he came to me and he said, uh, "Can you tell me what you just played?" And I, I said, "No." He said, "Well, then we got to get you a, a drum to take lessons." So uh, I had drums for a minute. I, I went through a few different instruments, but the dynamic in those days that when my parents would travel and I wouldn't go with them and I would be staying with some different people who were not musicians, I wasn't allowed to practice in their home. Um, you know, they would, they would say, we don't want to hear that noise. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, I would okay. just... So, how did you develop into writing lyrics and singing the, uh, you know, the standard jazz composition? Well, I guess it's basically back to my parents originally. When I was a little boy, they used to play when it, when it whenever the song "So What" Miles Davis's "So What" came out in the '60s, and it was a song that they always played a song that I would request because I could follow the song easy. And uh, I used to always say, play So What for me. Play So What for me. First time I heard So What, I might have been four. But then when I was about 21, I heard Eddie Jefferson singing it on the radio. I was in Philadelphia at the time. It was on WRTI in those days. They used to call it. W.R.I. to point, you know, mm-hmm. to the point. And uh, I was listening to the point in my car, and Eddie Jefferson came on singing So What. Mm-hmm. And I I went straight to Third Street Jazz, which was the, the record store, the, the jazz record store in the days Philadelphia off the third market, went down there and bought Eddie Jefferson the jazz singer. And, and that just changed life. So once I, 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 I just want to say that one of my dreams was my whole life, the instruments that I chose as a child, other than drums and piano, like I, I, I did, I did bass for a minute and I did trumpet for a minute. I was trying to find an instrument that I, that I liked and that I could play and also be on stage with my parents. Mm-hmm. So when I heard Eddie Jefferson's, uh, in those days, the LP, Eddie Jefferson, the jazz singer, on that, re- on that record was his lyrics to Coleman Hawkins' solo on Body and Soul. 
uh, oh man, that's heavy. Yeah, a lot of a lot of, a lot of different vocal leases, which is, vocal leases the art of writing lyrics to an improvised solo. Mm-hmm. No, so improvise, right, right. That's heavy. That's heavy to do. Uh, Moody's mood for love is like that too. Yeah, definitely. And also, what yeah. I found out was pleasure got the credit for Moody's mood for love, but actually, that's an Eddie Jefferson lyric. Mm. And basically, okay. what it was was that Eddie Jefferson. Uh, didn't copyright that song, but he used to sing it. And Eddie and and King Pleasure was the first person to record it, so he got the credit. Oh, okay. Wow. You know, I don't know what the, the behind the scenes credit is, but he got the notoriety for it. Okay, now yeah. on that note, you wrote these lyrics that we're listening to tonight. Do you? Have a publishing company. Uh, yeah, I do have a company uh, with ASCAP. Okay, what's the name of your company? Is it just your name? Hello, TC. Um, yes, ma'am. I'm still here. Okay, what's the name of your publishing company with ASCAP, or is it just under your name? It's just under my name. Well, I would suggest that you go and apply for a, as a publisher with ASCAP under a private company. But we will talk about that. We'll talk about that. This is some of the business uh, tips that I give musicians. Okay, so now... How many songs have you written? Uh, well, approximately ten, twenty. Most of the most of what I have written is lyrics. Yes, really but lyrics. To, to how many you know. songs? Yeah, because you you have a lot of music. Uh, I'll say about a dozen. Okay, because I see with um, uh, you wrote you wrote if I lyrics to if I were a bell. No, I didn't. Don- I didn't write. I didn't. I didn't actually write those lyrics to if I were a bell. Oh, you sang them. Yeah, I sang those lyrics. I didn't write. I didn't write any lyrics if I were a bell. As All a matter right, of fact. I, I, Go ahead. Mm. On on the music, the music is uh, okay. Well, the mu- I have a previous CD called "She Do What She Do." That's an original composition that I wrote. That's a blues. Uh huh. And, and that was created on stage. That's one of okay. those magical happen when you with a band, uh, your own group. And you work a lot with them, and you're spiritually connected, and that's something that happened on stage. 
based on something that I was going through at that moment <laughs> in a relationship. <laughs> right. And so, but on the music, I wrote all the lyrics on the music except for solar signs. Uh, and that was written by my friend Nelson. Yeah, Dr. Nelson E. Harrison. Yes, from Pittsburgh. Right, from Pittsburgh. Do you know him personally? Yes, indeed. As a matter of fact, I met him at the last, uh, the last International Jazz Educators Conference in New York, at the Hilton, New York. Uh, my father, Mr. C, and, and myself went to that convention for the whole week. He came up from Philly, and we hung out without my mother um, that week, and Nelson was an old friend of his. Uh-huh. And uh, Nelson had a book at that con- that he was selling with all of his lyrics. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. And so it's a funny thing. There was a jam session that was getting ready to happen, like in a couple mm-hmm. hours. And I wasn't dressed. I had a little day job. So I went through the to the convention after my day job, and I wasn't really dressed for performing. And uh, when I heard that there was going to be a jam session, I left and went home to uh, Patterson, New Jersey, where I'm at right now. And got dressed and went back. And when I got back, my dad said, I want you to meet this guy. He's an old buddy of mine, old crony of mine, as he used to say. Mm-hmm. With all these lyrics in him. I met him. I sang the, uh, I sang at the jam session, and then I, I had an extensive conversation with, with Dr. Harrison. And uh, he gave me that book. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. Um, so I've been singing the lyrics to that song, Solar Signs, since then. Always, uh-huh. up, always in an up tempo, just like most of the time, like Miles and all the different cats uh, that played that, that song. I always sing it up-tempo, but I decided to do something different and sing it as a ballad, which I had never heard anyone. Maybe someone had done it, but I've never heard it. So, you know, that's how I came. So, have you thought about putting your books, uh, I mean, your songs, in a book? Oh yeah, definitely. I definitely been thinking about that ever since I visited you in Florida and saw your your book. <laughs> oh good. With all, oh, you're beautiful. You inspired me. You know what I mean? I came That's back from that. Great. Trip. It, was, it was almost like Moses going up to the mountain. <laughs> wow. I came there to see you. You know, same sense. Well, that is wonderful. I still think your mother sent you to me. I believe that. And I hope that Edlene will call in 
a little later. So listen, I want to play Teddy Makes Three. So we'll be back in three minutes. All right, this is PC the Third with Teddy Makes Three. No such a notion that she wind up being the one that would play in and out my soul. It used to be just us two, then along came our Teddy, and now we are a threesome. Now that he is growing and running around, he is trying to make us seem old. But we are some youthful folks, that's no joke. No. 
So right. who I see you've worked with Gary Bart, Joey D. Francesco. I know you work with Curtis Lundy. Tell us about some of the musicians that you've had the joy to work with. Oh man. Um Well <laughs> that's a beautiful story, I guess you could say, because my father, Mr. C, produced a lot of concerts uh, with he and my mother on it, or his group, Trudy Piss and Mr. C, and and I would be singing with them. My first big concert with them was in, I believe, was in 1982 on the, cool, the last cool jazz festival, which was in Philadelphia at the Man Music Center. And uh, everybody was on that concert and jazz. Um, in our band, my parents' band was my mother on organ, my father on drums, Johnny Coles on flugelhorn, and Rudy Jones on tenor. And Johnny Coles is probably the most famous out of that band. Uh, and also all Philadelphians. Um I performed with Grover Washington Jr., uh, Shirley Scott, all the great jazz musicians in Philadelphia, you know, uh, at that time, Charles Fambro. Yeah, uh, I remember Fambro. Did you ever work with uh, Gerald Price? Never really worked with Gerald Price. Yeah, he was, he was my teacher. He was great. So what about Pieces of a Dream? Did you ever run into them? Well, I mean, I ran into them, but I never... I mean, I worked recently with Cedric Napoleon, but back okay. in those days, those guys are younger than me. So I just want to say, those guys are like the generation under me. So Okay. I know them, but I didn't really work with them, you know. And uh, <laughs> but we all met in Tony Williams, the alto player from Philadelphia. Right. Tony Williams band back in the day called the Sitting Teenage Jazz Band. Mm-hmm. Every out of there, Joey D. Francesco, Christian McBride, Pieces of a Dream. There's a lot of us, you know. A lot of people that had, uh, you know, that Williams helped. You know, Peace of a Dream, Tony's own son, Glenn Williams. In those days, he was a alto and soprano saxophone player, which he still plays, but he also now plays piano. And uh, mm-hmm. a lot of great musicians. You know, I had the opportunity to move to New York uh, about 21 years ago. Um, worked with a lot of great cats, uh, so many people. Um, I don't know. I, I've worked with everybody. Um, <laughs> okay. Who is the piano so, player that you work with with um, Curtis? Well, actually, this the record, the music, 
Curtis Lundy is on my latest CD, The Music. The piano player on there is a young gentleman, a New Yorker, originally from Chicago, by the name of Marcus Persiani. And he's been my main pianist for probably the last, oh, man, I don't even know, 15 years at least or more. Okay. He was in a few, few different groups that I, that I used early on when I first came to New York, to the New York area. And, uh, you know, he sort of, I guess you could say, made the cut, so to speak. He's been the the main cat out of all those different cats that I've used. But I've worked with a lot of great pianists, Orrin Evans. Mm. Oh, I man. think you mentioned uh, Rodney Kendrick. Oh yeah, Rodney Kendrick and Rodney is on my on my CD on the composition called Juice. Um, oh, we I have think, Juice. We're gonna listen to Juice in a little while. Can't yeah. remember exactly the track that is, but uh. So you have two CDs. Yeah, I have two CDs. Okay, actually, great. I, actually, 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 I have three. Technically, I have three. I have TC, the one, my first CD was recorded live at the Philadelphia Clef Club of Jazz and Performing Arts in the mid-90s. It was called D, the Third Live, a Mega Jazz Explosion. And that was an all-star lineup. Gary Bartz, Eddie, Eddie Henderson, uh, Dr. Eddie Henderson on trumpet. Don Braden on tenor saxophone, the late Clifford Adams on trombone, uh, my parents, Trudy Pitts and Mr. C, uh, Lee Smith on bass, and uh, another gentleman, the uh, Orrin Evans was on that record, Byron Landum. Yeah. In those days, my trio was kind of like Orrin Evans, uh, David F. Ross, and Byron Landon, sometimes Darrell Hall on bass, but he's not on the record. And uh, you know. So what is the scene like in Philadelphia now? I know COVID has put the, you know, brakes on a lot, but are there still clubs that Teacher jazz in Philly. Now, yeah, every everybody that was open before is open now. <laughs> you know, uh, recently anyway. I don't know when the date was, but all the clubs are, are still open and musicians are working. Uh, That's great to hear. That's good news. Yeah. So we have a project coming up in March. Um, yes, I'm looking. And I was hoping that Edlene Hart would call in. She's been working on a lot of the tunes. Uh, I am no longer singing. I'm retired. I stepped off the stage about six years ago, and I'm happy. I'm teaching, so that's where I get to get my applause and my booze. <laughs> but... Uh, we got the opportunity through Women in Jazz South Florida to have a date at the Arts Garage in Delray Beach, which is, I would say it's the premier venue 
for jazz right now because most of the clubs here don't have jazz anymore. But anyway, I'm in Palm Beach County. No, I'm not in Broward or Dade where there might be more happening. So anyway, uh, it just kind of happened that I said maybe we could feature some of my music and the manager, Marjorie Waldo, liked that idea. So Edwin had been to my house and got the songbook. And she said, well, these songs, I'd like to sing some. Well, here we are months later, and she's learning the songs. You are learning the songs. Uh, one of my songs is entitled Bright Moments, which is really dedicated to your parents because they used to always say bright moments when I walked into Gert. <laughs> Or whenever you walked in anywhere, they'd say bright moments. And I had actually heard Rastan Roland Kirk in New York who wrote the song Bright Moments. So this song I'm looking forward to hearing performed. You know, I'm very excited about the program. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So let's listen to the juice, okay? Okay. Tell us, tell us, you'll tell us about it when we come back. All right, this is yeah. the juice. And it's six minutes, so see you in six minutes.
Body can get loose. <laughs> but I heard my old, old, old friend up in there, Leon Thomas. So, how did you get familiar with Leon Thomas, TC? 
Oh, wow. Well, what can I say? You know, for a lot of years, Leon Thomas was voted best jazz vocalist by Downbeat for a lot of years, maybe 10 years in a row. Wow. I didn't know that. And, um, well, you know, there have been a few, I mean, what can I say? You know, back in the day on uh, what's that station that was Sid Mark was a radio station. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't WRTI. It was like before WRTI, but, um, what can I say? I used to hear him on the radio and, um, you know, a lot of a lot of male jazz singers kind of had a little yodel. You know, uh, my father, when he sang, he had a little bit of that in him on certain uh-huh. things, Mr. C. And, uh, you know, Joe Williams had a little, had a, had a, had a little yodel. Uh, right. Uh, Lou, Rawls, Lou Rawls had a little yodel. But... Uh, mm. Did you know so Jolie he, Wilson? Say that again. Did you know Jolie Wilson? Jolie Wilson. Oh yeah, I know Joe. I knew I know Jolie Wilson. Yeah, he was my mentor. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I got a Jolie Wilson story that I kind of want to share real quick. Go ahead. When I met him, okay, so. In the 80s, when I really first started singing, my parents did some uh, <laughs> some some uh, they did some work, some sort of uh, yeah they they did some work in my behalf with different jazz musicians who were making it that they felt should give me a shot. Uh huh. And um, in those days, in the 80s, when I first started singing, the only the only stuff that I was singing primarily was Eddie Jefferson lyrics to all the different standards. I chose oh. that direction, and I chose that direction because every time I was at some kind of jazz performance, before I started singing, when a singer would get up, a lot of singers, when they get up to the to the mic, either they don't know their key, or the musicians don't know the song, or you know it's some song that they heard, but it's not. It might be a standard, but it might not necessarily be a standard amongst the jazz musicians, like uh, all the jazz musicians, so to speak. So what I decided to do is I was gonna. My my goal in the 80s was I'm only going to sing songs that the jazz musicians know and love and play on their own without a vocalist. So right. when I come on, this, I'll never have a problem with them not knowing, the, 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 you know, asking me, do I have the sheet music and or do, you know, or, or some kind of thing that pretty much tells me that they don't want to play for me. <laughs> right. So. They never gonna have an opportunity. Either they gonna tell me we don't like your singing, and that's gonna be the reason. But it ain't gonna be because they don't know the song. Right. So. So. Uh, Jolie. 
Jolie Wilson. So what, so what my parents did was they went to uh, Richie Coles, who was an alto right. player, who started when he yeah, was he young. Yeah, he was high fly. Right. With Eddie, with Eddie Jefferson. Uh-huh. He was Eddie Jefferson's alto player when he was a young boy. <laughs> so parents knew that. And they knew, uh, so they went to see Richie Coles and asked Richie Coles if he would give me a shot since I was singing all of Eddie Jefferson's music. So they went somewhere, I I think it was uh, Asbury Park, New Jersey, some club that was there back in the day. I don't really know exactly what. They said they was going to see this guy, Richie Coles, but they didn't tell me what they was going for. And I didn't ask them, could I go? Because, you know, I was a teenager at the time. Well, I was in my early 20s. And, uh, you know, I was into my own life, whatever that was at the time. So when they came back, they said, we went to see Richie Coles on your behalf. And he said, next month he's going to be at the Vanguard. Come on up and sit in. So on the day that I went up to sit in and I met Richie Coles, he said, yeah, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember, uh, you know, when I told him who I was and, and all that, he said, oh, yeah, yeah, but you're going to have to come back tomorrow because Joe Lee Wilson is coming tonight, and he used to work with me, and I ain't going to have a bunch of singers just singing. That's the first thing I, first time I heard that concept. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to have a bunch of singers on, on the bandstand tonight. But it just so happened that Joe Lee Wilson came in. So, you know, I was a little drugged because I had, I had a girlfriend of mine loan me the money to get there, and that's all I had in my pocket was my was two dollars and my return ticket on the train. I was, my goal was I was going to sing and then go home to Philly. Mm-hmm. So when Joe Lee Wilson came in, I knew he was Joe Lee Wilson because the way people was responding to him when he came in, he had, you know. He was debonair, you know, he had personality and, you know, and all this stuff, and everybody was all around him. And I was sitting at the bar, corner of the bar, at the Vanguard, real small bar, you know, maybe three or four stools bar. And uh, Joe Lee Wilson came over, and he sat down on on the first seat. So I was sitting on the last one. He was sitting on the first seat. He looked around, and I was really, I was sitting there, but I wasn't really trying to be uh, friendly in a sense because I was feeling like, oh, man, this guy messed up my life. I didn't came up here to sing, and now he's here, and, you know, <laughs> this is jive, you know what I mean? So he said, uh, hey, man, how you doing? Uh, I said, hey, how you doing? He said, man, you you sing, don't you? I said, yeah. He said, yeah, man, you you look like a singer. I said, I do? He said, yeah. What's your name? I said, Terry. He said, Jolie Wilson. I said, yeah, well, I know who you are. He said, you know me? I said, yeah, man, because Richie Coles told me uh, I couldn't sing, sit in with him tonight because you was coming. So he said, oh, man, can I buy you a beer? So I said, yeah, and he bought me a beer. And um, then they called him up. And I don't know what he sang, but they were saying, more, more, after he sang, encore, encore. And he got on the mic and he said, ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for T.C. the third, all the way from Philadelphia. 
was one of the kindest men I ever met in my life. I went to England, to Brighton, England, to see him before he died. He gave yeah, that's me where Lawrence, the that's, sheet that's where Lawrence music. Jones. He gave me the sheet music to Feeling Good, which is the title tune of my first CD. We really, I, I followed him from the age of 19 until he died. Well, I was 19, you know, and um, he was just a wonder. And I watched fire come out of his mouth, literally. But listen, great story about him. Edlene Hart is on the line, which means that there are three of six of the people that will be featured at the Arts Garage March 5th, 2022 in Delray Beach. How you doing, Edlene? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Cool. You have to go back and listen to TC's interview with me. Absolutely. I am intrigued by the story. Hey, TC. <laughs> hey, Wonderful guys. Yeah, well I'm excited about about the show at the Arts Garage because we will be doing all of Joan Cartwright's original music. So I find it awesome uh composition. They touch my life and I just can't wait to come out and share it with the world in a different light. Yeah. This is music okay. to my ears. What you say, TC? I said, I know that's right. <laughs> I'm so yeah, excited. Got... They don't even know what's coming. <laughs> well, they don't because I don't think that the South Florida audience has really seen TC sing. And Edlene has been out of the loop doing corporate gigs. I know about corporate gigs. Yeah. So this is exciting. It's very exciting for me. And um, you see, Edwin and I have been having a ball with these blues songs. So you're going to have to chime in on the rehearsals soon, you know. Definitely. Matter of fact, you see, do you have a day of the week that is like your down time. Not really. So you you work on Sunday? Well, I mean, I have gigs all the time, so I, you know, there's no particular schedule situation like that. Uh, okay, well, we have to find another day besides Friday. Because if you working on Fridays, that's not going to be. But we've got to pull together a schedule. So I just want to say, uh, Edlene, did you hear any of this show yet? I heard um, th- the story about um, no, leaving the gentleman. I, the I came in on that. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to play the music again because I love this song and it really, really puts me in the mind of Philadelphia. So, TC, 
We're going to see where is your gig tomorrow or tonight. Where's your gig? Oh, you're talking about TC? Yes. Uh, well, t- tonight I'm doing uh, uh, I'm a featured artist with a for a young lady, a spoken word artist and dancer by the name of Zakia Modest. And uh, where is that? At the Cotton Club in Harlem. Oh, nice, nice gig. All right, well, remember to send me your gigs for the newsletter. You know, maybe you want to send me a couple of photos tomorrow, and, and I can put them in the newsletter. Okay. Let me let me throw this out there, too. Tomorrow, I'll be at the Williamsburg Music Center in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, with Bernard Harper's band. Okay, great. All right, well, we're going to listen to the music and I will be reaching out to you to set up a rehearsal schedule. Roberta will be, Roberta DeMuro will be here this week from Maine, and she'll be here the remainder of the season. So we'll get to do some Zoom rehearsals for March 5th. I'm so excited. So, Edlene, thank you for calling in, darling, and I will see oh, you soon. Okay? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Edlene, nice hearing your voice. Yeah, likewise, TC. Keep doing your thing. Represent. <laughs> you don't we, know. We're all New Yorkers. We're all New Yorkers. So, yes, do your thing. <laughs> That's right. Can't wait. That's right. <laughs> Can't wait to have you on one of these Zoom things because we, we have a bar. I can't wait to laugh with you, TC. <laughs> This is going to be a heck of a show, I promise you. (laughs) I know it. I know it, and I'm honored to be a part of it. Thank you, Joan. Thank you. Well, I'm so happy, too, that the two of you are there because everybody can't sing my music, you know. Everybody can. But we're going to be a good show. Good show. Yes, it is. I'm getting ready. That's All right. right. Here's the music by TC the third. One, two, three, four. Go! 
WIJSF.com Women in Jazz South Florida Inc. is a nonprofit educational organization that promotes women musicians globally through events, concerts,